0: Welcome to the ministry of Smyrna Presbyterian Church. Founded in 1914, Smyrna Presbyterian Church believes in the Bible as the Word of God and so desires to preach, teach, pray, and sing that Word so as to know Christ and make Him known in our community, country, and world. We invite you to join us in that mission. Worship services are every Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Here now is our pastor, the Rev. Joel Smith. Again, reading in verse 5 and go through verse 7 of 1 Peter 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Thus far, the reading of God's word, please be seated. If there's any virtue that is lost, it is that of humility, especially in America, I believe. If you were to ask any foreigner what's the overall impression of Americans, I think you would hear something like this that they are loud, they are proud. They are braggadocious. And this is something I think we value as Americans. It might even be a part of our revolutionary roots, that don't tread on me type of attitude. So much so that I don't think we even know completely what is true humility, what it means to be humble. Oftentimes I think, we think it means to be weak. To be wimpy, to be a pushover, perhaps to be quiet or shy or a wallflower, as they say. But if that is your understanding of humility, then I think you have it all wrong because none of those things are necessarily what it means to be humble. Can you be a leader and yet be humble? Yes, you can. Can you be a strong person, have a strong personality, and yet still be humble? Yes, I think you can. And can you actually be a shy person and still be quite proud? Yes, I think that is true as well. And so the question is, what makes the difference? Well, I think the difference is how you view yourself. How you view yourself in the light of God first and foremost. And how you view yourself in the light of others. And that view affects how you live. How you live out your life. But humility is not primarily a personality trait. It is a virtue. It is a mark of godliness. It is a mark of sanctification in one's life. It must be. Let me repeat that. It must be a quality of the believer because it is a demonstration, it is a fruit of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So no matter how different we may be, how different our personalities might be and they are, we must have a humble spirit. We must walk in humility. But let me say, even as I say that, that doesn't come naturally, does it? Pride, self-centeredness, self-promotion is what naturally comes up within us. So we, as Americans, but even more importantly as Christians, must learn to put on humility. Peter says we need to clothe ourselves in humility. And so we will look at that this day in two points. The inward heart humility and second, the outward life humility humility. First, the inward heart, humility. And you hear that right. Humility begins in the heart. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, learn from me for I am meek and lowly in heart, which demonstrates that humility resides primarily in the heart. It's a heart issue. And so when Peter says, clothe yourself, he's not speaking primarily of some outward manners, some outward behavior, but rather the inward nature. Peter has already made mention of this in chapter 3. When speaking to wives, he says, do not let your adorning be merely external. The braiding of hair and putting on of gold or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. But the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Notice he says it's not external, but it's the hidden person of the heart. It's the quality and disposition of the heart. And so someone can be outwardly, conscientiously, perhaps for a time, humble. But that humility will not last. It will dissipate if it's not first and foremost in the heart. Why? Because everything is filtered through the heart. Proverbs says that the heart is the wellspring of life. What is in the heart will manifest itself in the outward behavior, will manifest itself in your speech and in your conduct and in your thoughts and your behavior. But it must reside there. Because the humble person does not need to Quote unquote, be humble, they are humble. It's a part of who they are. It's seen in all that they do. And so the million dollar question, of course, is well, what is that disposition? What is that clothing that we are to wear? What is the adornment of the heart? How are we to have humility? Well, I think humility begins with how we view ourselves, viewing oneself rightly. In other words, humility comes from a worldview that sees his or her place properly within the world that God has placed them. And that worldview to be rightly oriented must have a right view of God who they are in the light of that, and who God is. To have humility, you must have a big God. You must know God as He truly is. You must know Him as the sovereign creator of heaven and earth, that He spoke the world into existence by a word of His power, and it all came into being, every single molecule to every far-off universe and galaxy. And all of it is upheld simultaneously by our God. And in the massive expanse of this creation that he has made, we are a part of that creation, a very small part, no doubt. Adam, as we are told, was made out of the dust of the ground. Why dust? Could it have been to demonstrate our smallness, our finiteness? Children, perhaps your mom and dads make you dust around the house. And you know, as you get out, the the dust rag to dust, all you have to do is just wipe, and the, the dust is gone, is it not? It doesn't take much effort. In fact, it probably takes more effort to get your mom and dad to dust than it does actually to do the act of dusting. And yet, we are compared to that dust when we compare ourselves to the greatness of God. That God could wipe us off as we would wipe off dust from a table. That is our God. We are upheld by him. Every second of the day, we are completely and utterly dependent upon him. God fills our lungs with air and the breath to breathe. The strength to be able to get up out of bed in the morning and to be able to walk. The scripture says that in him we live and move and have our being because God gives us that life. I know it's wintertime and probably lots of you have experienced, are experiencing sickness. We've had a lot of surgeries. We've had a lot of death. One of the redeeming parts of all of this is that it demonstrates how weak we really are. How easily incapacitated we can become by the smallest of sickness. And even if we are strong, what is the expanse of our life? It's 80 or 90, perhaps at the very most, 100 years. Scripture says that we're here today, gone tomorrow. We're not even a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. Earlier, we read Moses' prayer in Psalm 90, where he says the grass is renewed in the morning and In the evening it fades and withers and he compares our life to that. Grass that springs up and then by night it's dead and gone. That is our nature in the light of God as grass in the light of an infinite God. And so can we make much of self in the light of who God is? That we are but dust. And sinful, rebellious dust in that. Blind, miserable, naked, wretched. Not worthy of the least of God's kindness. And yet, that is not what we experience, do we? On a daily basis, we experience the kindness and goodness and grace of God. Every day that mankind gets out of bed, has the sun to shine on his face or even perhaps the rain like today. Every day that we get to drink a cup of coffee or have a good meal is from the favorable and gracious hand of God who has given us much more than we deserve. Everything is grace upon grace. My children have heard me say it often when they say something is not fair i'm sure you hear that in your home as well that's not fair and the standard response from dad is nothing's fair everything is by the grace of god hell is fair that is what we deserve and so do you really want fair do you really want what you deserve no of course not tough being a preacher's kid once in a while. (laughs) Get a sermon when you may not want it. Every day is a gift of God. He gives. And that is something that I forget, no doubt, that is something that you forget. But the person that clothes themselves in humility must not forget. They can't exalt themselves because there's nothing to exalt. There's nothing to be Proud of. There's nothing to be prideful in because it's all by God and a gift of God. It's undeserved by His grace. Therefore, the humble man, the humble woman, daily, constantly, continually casts themselves upon God. Wakes up and bows on their knees in prayer, asking for God's blessing, for His strength, laying their requests before Him. They are dependent, they are thankful, they are content, they live their lives. Sola Dea Gloria, to God alone be the glory. And notice what it says there in verse 5. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's a Greek translation of Proverbs three thirty four. God opposes the proud. That is a strong statement it means that when we are prideful, we set ourselves up in op- 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 opposition to God. We set up ourselves at odds with God. Now we only need to look at how Jesus dealt with the Pharisees, who were extremely prideful, to see how God thinks, how the Lord Jesus Christ thinks of those that are prideful. He did not have kind words to say to them. Because it is an inverted worldview. It makes much of self and makes little of God. Or even worse, has no view of God at all. And from such a viewpoint, you believe that you can do as you want. You do as you please. You are accountable to no one. But one that casts himself upon God in everything. Says here, God gives grace to such people. walk in his ways. And so every Christian must walk in humility. Peter makes that very clear. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility. And so true humility is found only in believers of Jesus Christ. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, second then, what is the outward manifestation? What is the outward life humility of this inward heart? And I don't want to spend the rest of our time that we have spelling this out for you. Not because I'm an expert in this at all. I'm the chief offender. But I don't want to be just theoretical. I want to be very practical. And so what does humility look like? As it comes forth from the heart in one's life. Let me quickly give you. Seven ways from these verses, seven outward life manifestations of the humble man or the humble woman. Perhaps you want to write these down because we need these, all of us. First, the humble man or humble woman places themselves in the church. You might say, how is that? Well, this letter is written to the church And this call to humility comes in connection to the exhortation of the shepherds, the elders, to shepherd the flock of God. Humility recognizes that you need a shepherd. You need to be fed, you need to be cared for, you need to be tended to. And that comes from the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. But that doesn't come magically or supernaturally, that happens through the local church. And the prideful man says, I don't need the church. I can be a lone sheep on my own. I can be a flock of one. Or I can go from this church to that church to this church over there and be accountable to no one. That is pride, my friends. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That is our nature. Our nature is to stray. And so we need Shepherds. We need the church. We need to be constantly brought to green pastures and by quiet waters. That happens in and through the local church where they know you and you know them. They know your name. Even call you by name. Perhaps call you out by name if need be. Second, the humble man subjects himself to those over them. We saw some of this in chapter 3 already. Where Peter says, be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake. And we saw how that happens civilly, vocationally, maritally. Well, we see here in verse 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. But there's subjection in every sphere, even in the church. And what a pleasure it was last week to see the ordination and installation of elders and deacons. And the Lord uses the leadership of the church. Sinful leadership, no doubt, but uses them to guide us and to direct us. And in that service, if you didn't notice, we took a vow of subjection. That is very unpopular in these days, but we see it's actually very biblical. As Peter exhorts and commands, be subject to the elders. The prideful man again says, I'll be subject to no one, or I'll be subject to them if they agree with me. But at the moment, they don't. Well then I'm off. I'm gone. Now be subject to the elders. Again, the author of Hebrews says this. Hebrews 13:7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of the way of their life and imitate their faith. It's part of our humility. It's part of our trusting the Lord when he subject ourselves to the proper authorities even Within the church. Number three, the humble man serves others, exalts in others, and rejoices with others. In other words, they are an others oriented person. First God, then others, lastly self. One of my favorite theologians says this, and this is a lengthy quote, but I believe it's worthy of quoting at this time. He says, the humble man acknowledges it to be the will of God that he love his neighbor. He perceives in his neighbor that which is imminent and desirable. He highly esteems him, honors him as such, wholeheartedly submits himself to him in that respect. And with this disposition, he does for his neighbor what God commands him to do. In comparing himself to his neighbor, listen to this, in comparing himself to his neighbor, he appears in his own eyes as copper copper. Compared to gold as lead compared to silver, and being in such a frame, he honors, loves, and serves. For I say to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, Romans 12:3In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Philippians 2 verse three. And then he goes on here to, to warn. You who are proud of heart and have a haughty spirit, who have great thoughts of yourself due to your ancestry, your wealth, the offices you hold, wisdom, beauty, strength, artistic talent, gifts. These are the things in which a fool will boast. If you elevate yourself above your neighbor, viewing him with contempt and having the notion that he must honor and reverence and bow and yield to you. If you love to be greeted in a humble and reverent manner, to be praised and elevated above others are envious when another person is elevated and honored above you and readily cherish hatred, vengefulness against those who either do not honor you suff- sufficiently or despise you. This theologian says, what a fool are you? Indeed, those are stinging words because we see much of that in ourselves, in the way that we think, in the way that we view Others, but the humble man orients himself towards others and away from self because he puts himself underneath others as a servant, desiring to serve as the Lord even served in his coming in this life. Fourth, the humble man knows the difference between pride and despair. Notice it says, Humble yourself. On the one hand, we are not to exalt ourselves. Because there's nothing to exalt as we sit or be prideful about. But at the same time, we're not to think of ourselves as nothing. If God has said his love, has said his affection, has called us children, then we're not to have self-doubt. We're not to have self-pity. We're not to be self-loathing, so to speak. Because that helps no one. Humility should not bring you down the path of despair. Or down the path of depression. No, we are strong. But we're strong in the strength that the Lord provides. We are gifted. But we're gifted with the gifts that he has given. We are enabled. But we're enabled with the help that he provides. In Christ we have all of these things. And we're to use those things for his purpose and for his good. We're not just to just kind of navel gaze. That's not humility. 2 Timothy one seven. For God has given us not a spirits of fear but of power of love and of self-control now humility is not to be a ball of mush it's to be who he's made us to be through his grace and by his spirit fifth the humble man sees all of life from god humble yourself as it says under the mighty hand of god all of life comes from god directly or indirectly all is by His eternal degree, all of it is upheld by his providence. And so we know that everything is ordered by him. There is no chaotic, random world. It's a sovereign world in which we live in, sovereignly directed by God. And we can take comfort in that. We can even take humility in that when we are not exalted or when we don't get what we want or when you don't get that promotion or perhaps don't succeed or don't have success in the worldly sense. Last week, we confessed the truth of the Heidelberg Catechism, talking about providence. and It says we can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well. For the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father, that nothing will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. And so in the light of that, we can humble ourselves under the hand of God, knowing that he will exalt and he will bring low, no matter what may come. Six, the humble man keeps the end in view. Notice it says, humble yourself so that at the proper time he may exalt you. The prideful man says, I want my exaltation now in this life. Have glory here. The humble man says no that is a fake glory. That is a vain glory. And that exaltation will not last. Only one that is to have glory is God. And he is alone able to exalt. And our exaltation will come. Will come when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in the last day. For Jesus very clearly tells us whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. How sad it would be to exalt ourselves in this life only to hear on that last day, depart from me, I never knew you. And yet at the same time, what a glory it will be. What an exaltation it will be when Christ identifies himself with us. Calls us his beloved child. Tells us to enter into his joy. Not just for a time. But for eternity. For days without end. There's nothing greater than that. Comes to those that are willing to walk in that humility now. Lastly, seventh, the humble man or woman casts all his or her cares upon the Lord. And Lord willing, we will come back to this again next week. But in the view of the greatness of God. In the view of his grandeur, in the light of how small we are, God knows this. and knows that we are people in need, that need his grace. And therefore, we are to come and cast all our cares, all our anxieties upon him. And why do we do so? Because it says very clearly there, he cares for us. Yes, we are small, but God has not forgotten about us. He knows us, each individually. He knows us by name. The Lord's eyes are upon his child. So cast your cares, your burdens before him. As the old hymn says, for his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Seven outward manifestations of the humble hearts, which I know I need to Because I fall woefully short. But we can be thankful as we close this day that there is one that did not fall short. The Lord Jesus Christ came and he clothed himself with humility because he clothed himself with his creation. He clothed himself with flesh demonstrating the extent of his humility. And then throughout his life he came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He gave even unto death, death on the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of God, the Father. Perhaps somebody this day that's listening to this might need to take that very first step of humility. You might even consider yourself a humble person, but if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are not humble because you have not begun the very first act of obedience, and that is bowing the knee to the true Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you do that through faith and repentance. Only then can you learn from him. Only then can you be truly humble and lowly in spirit. But the truth is, for all of us that have been walking for the Lord for a short time or for many years, we never get beyond that. The gospel always humbles us, always puts us in our right place teaches us to walk in that humility for we are sinners that are saved and redeemed and it's in humble gratitude that we must walk. Having that right view of God, the right view of others and ourselves in the light of that. Serving, loving, as he called us to do. Yesterday we had the opportunity to give honor to a, a very humble man. I'm thankful for him, a man that lived out the principles of Micah 6-8 that we read at the very beginning. What is it that is good and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. Indeed, that is what is required. May we, by God's grace, may it be sit of us, through Christ and by his Holy Spirit, we walked humbly with our God every day that He granted it to us. Amen, Let us pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we are convicted. And we are have our heads bowed down again, because we know, Lord, how much we like to exalt our own heads, to extend our own necks, to have everyone look at us. To give us praise. To give us glory. Lord may we learn what it means to have humility. To clothe ourselves in a humble nature. To recognize who you are. To recognize all of your grace and mercy and provision. As given to us on a daily basis. Literally a moment by moment basis. How you fill our lungs with air even now. In order for us to breathe. Lord may we use that breath to give you praise and worship, to glorify your name, to point not to ourselves, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you help us in these things, we pray. We pray it in Christ. Amen.